Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an explanation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined by Pale Dragon. What's up? It's hockey week. It's finally back. How you doing, PD? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm excited for the season to start for real. So yeah, the final preseason game played out on Saturday against the Penguins. The final roster cuts were unveiled on Sunday. So we know that guys like Igor Chinakov, Cole Sillinger are among those to make final cuts. Uh, I was curious, though, if you were surprised by either A, that development that we kind of maybe were already trending towards thinking it was going to happen, but it's official, or were you surprised by guys that were not going to be on the club to start off with guys, I don't know, I'm throwing names out, Gavin Bayreuther, Kevin Stenlin, Liam Foodie, guys like that, or obviously, though, we know that there's probably going to be a lot of busy transactions this season between Cleveland and Columbus. So those guys will probably find their way up at some point, but were you surprised with the final roster? Uh, No. Yeah. If you had told me this was the roster at the start of August, then maybe I would have been surprised by some things, but based on the way that camp and preseason unfolded, the roster is for the most part, what I expected it to be. You just knew based on, how they were playing and the opportunities that they were given that uh, Chinakov and Sillinger were going to make the roster. You know, they were getting big time roles in the preseason games. So you had a feeling that was going to be the case. You know, there were guys in the bubble, like Emil Bemstrom is one who I wasn't sure if he would make it just because of the numbers. But I also am glad that he made it because he had a very strong preseason. I think he scored you know, four goals in four games or something like that. So happy to see his hard work get him the spot that he had earned. You know, generally, I think it was, for the most part, a pretty merit-based roster there. For the most part, the guys that were sent down to Cleveland are guys that just, you know, weren't good enough. And in some cases, it's not necessarily a knock on them. Um, I think Kevin Stenlin is who he's always been, but there have been guys at it that are just better than him at this point you know i think the probably the one piece that fans could be most frustrated with would be scott harrington but that's you know we've certainly beaten that horse to death 
He's, I think, definitely the worst skater on this 23-man roster. But, you know, for the role that he's in, it's I'm not going to lose sleep over it. He's a guy that has been in that seventh defenseman role for years now. He has accepted it without complaint. And that's, you know, that that's worthwhile. You know, it's one less headache, one less guy you have to make happy. You know, he can he could be scratched for weeks at a time and he's going to be fine. He's not going to make an issue of it. He's going to show up. He's going to practice hard. I think coaches like having him around. I think the players like him. And those sort of intangibles shouldn't be a primary factor in putting a guy in the roster. But as far as a tiebreaker with other players, like those things have, they carry some value for it. So if he's there to be scratched in the press box, fine. It also means that he, it does not hurt his development to be in the press box because he is who he is at this point. And what, if he's sitting for a few weeks, you don't have to worry about rust because he's just the same player he always is no matter what. Whereas a guy like Gabriel Carlson, who it feels like he's been around forever, but he's still relatively young. Uh, if it means that he can get big time minutes in Cleveland, like there's still a chance that that could help his game. You know, I, I don't, I don't expect much from him going forward, at least not with this franchise, but there's at least a chance that he could benefit from playing more in Cleveland. So, but generally though, this roster is what it seemed seemed to be going in this direction in camp. And, uh, you know, I feel good about it. I think there's a lot to like on this roster. There's a lot of offensive talent on here. Like we've been talking about defensively. Eh, okay. There's going to be some, <laughs> some adventures, but, uh, I'm excited for, for, you know, scoring depth up and down the lineup. I think that's, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. The, the power play for one thing looks to be, uh, there's yep. some optimism there, so very exciting to see those. Hopefully, those fireworks translate or carry over from the preseason. Um, yeah, and so I saw. I think it was an athletic. Yeah, I think it was in Portsline's article from Sunday. Uh, just kind of talking about obviously the team as they go into Thursday's game against Arizona for the opener, and still trying to figure out the, the first line center between Voracek and Line. And as of right now, what would you say that would it be a guy like Roslovic or do you think, I mean, Cole Sillinger, do you think that he would be able to do it first game? So I've got up here the, from Jeff Svoboda, he posted what the practice lines were. And so currently Alex Texier is, is the center on that line. He played in that role on Saturday against Pittsburgh. I get the impression that Coach Larson isn't really that enthused by it, but it seems like he feels like that's the best fit for now. You know, obviously in preseason, we saw a lot of different guys on that line. We saw Sillinger on there. We saw Jenner with those guys. And that actually worked surprisingly well. So I don't think this is set in stone. I think we might see a lot of different things even as the season goes on. So yeah, I've not been thrilled with Texier in between those guys but you know I don't I don't think Roslovic fits there just because you know he doesn't have the defensive chops to help those guys in the, on that part of the game so he's almost like too similar to them so it makes more sense to have him with other guys 
I, you know, I'd like to see Sillinger get a shot with that line again at some point. But yeah, if Texier's there for now as a placeholder, that's that's fine for me. And I think I think it's good for Texier because if anything's going to get his game going, I think he'll be playing between those two guys because both Line and Voracek played well uh, in preseason, regardless of who was their center. Uh, obviously, they both did very well in the power play. So it's a good, good opportunity for Texier, but that's, you know, that line, that's fine. Um, Roslevic is, uh, so today he was skating between Nyquist and Bemstrom, but that was only because Bjorkstrand had the day off for maintenance. So it'd be between Nyquist and Bjorkstrand. So given how poor Roslevic is on defense, uh, but Nyquist and Bjorkstrand are both very responsible defensive forwards. So I like that line a lot. And obviously all, all those guys have, great offense to their game. So that's a very solid second line. Uh, the third line looks to be Jenner, Sillinger, Domi. Think about it. When we were recording last week, do we have any thought that Domi was going to make, was going to be ready for the opener? Nope. It's ridiculous. And here Insane. he was, we, we heard, you know, late last week that he was cleared for full contact. Saturday, he got to play in his first preseason game. He got a goal. <laughs> and that, that line of, Jenner, Sillinger, Domi looked pretty good. Those guys seem to fit well together. Um, that's a line that has a lot of sandpaper to it. You know, all those guys like to hit. and But there's also their speed on that line, their scoring ability on that line. You know, Jenner showed quite a bit of scoring touch there in preseason. The game I was at, he scored two goals. So that's an interesting line. I think that's a good line for, for Sillinger, guys that can stand up for him, protect him. I don't love having Domi at right wing. I want to see him back at center at some point here, maybe even put him on that top line. Now, I know he doesn't bring the defensive element you're looking for there, but I don't know, just you know, put him at, give him sheltered starts, put him all offense. I think he's got the passing ability to fit really nicely with them and the shooting ability to fit nicely with them. I'd like to see him back at center at some point once he gets fully recovered or whatever because we have so many natural right wingers like Voracek, Bjorkstrand, Bemstrom, and then Shinakov. So it came out today that Shinakov is probably not going to play on Thursday. And that's frustrating because I think he clearly played well enough to make the roster and I think he has clearly played well enough to play every day. Today in line rushes, he was alternating on the fourth line right wing with Gregory Hoffman. So, And, and Brad Larson, a quote, he said, uh, we will manage that. He's not going to sit here and not play. I can tell you that. If it goes longer than a game or two, we're two and a half hours up the road to Cleveland. The luxury is he can go there, play, and come back. He can sit there for the weekend or a couple weeks. We'll be real cognizant of that. He's a young guy who needs to play. The last thing we want to do is have him not play. So, I mean, I think it's the right perspective that you want to have him playing, but I think you're overthinking it to not have him play on Thursday. Like, yeah, if he's good enough to play, then just play the guy. There are other guys that you can sit in place of him to get him in the yeah. lineup. And, you know, even if it's a, the fourth line, not ideal, but you'd be able to get him power play minutes as well. You'd get him extra minutes that way. I, if he doesn't play Thursday, I hope he plays Saturday. If he doesn't play either of the first two games, then I'm going to start to be upset. I'll just, I will warn fans now, though, don't panic yet. 
it's too early for that. It's Monday. The game is Thursday. Things could change between now and then. Someone else could maybe get hurt in practice, and then a spot would open up for him. We don't know. If Chinakov was not going to be in the lineup Thursday, is it Domi that you automatically would assume would be in that spot or even someone else? Like, Do you think Domi, even though he's back and playing, I would assume they're not necessarily like they're not like rushing him, if you know what I mean. Like they are letting him play, but I feel like he's not going to just be like 100% go, 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 if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it would seem to me that Domi might get some games off just to not push him too much, just depending on what his, you know, conditioning is up to or whatever. Yeah. Um, although the schedule, it's a pretty easy schedule in October. There's a number of off days. There's not too many back-to-backs there's not too much travel or anything like that but yeah certainly Domi being available maybe made some decisions tougher as far as who would make the team and then what the lines would be obviously if Domi were not there it would make sense to put Chinakov on that third line right wing with Jenner and Sillinger um, because that was a line that we saw at times in camp and again all things considered I'd rather see Chinakov on that line because he's the future and Domi really isn't at this point. I mean, I want Domi to play because if he can play and he can play well, then he's a good trade bait. But I want to see Janakov playing as well because he's good enough and he's the future. So hopefully they figure out some way to make that work. Maybe even put, chop Domi down to the fourth line, which could again, could make it still a really good fourth line. I know after one of the games, Larson said that you know, he at least gave lip service to the idea of wanting to be a four-line team. Um, he said something like he doesn't want a fourth line that's only playing six minutes, <laughs> which that feels like kind of a shot at the way Torts did things. So, I mean, if, if the four lines are being rolled relatively evenly, then it's not a problem to have someone playing on the fourth line because that fourth line is still going to get, you know, 10 minutes or something like that at least. Uh, and that's fine. So, yeah, it's... It's frustrating, it's disappointing, but it's also still early, so I'm not I'm not gonna call for Larson's head yet or anything like that. But you know, but it's something to watch for. And if it's a trend that continues, that could be concerning. Impromptu question that just yeah. made me think of that. Uh did you uh talking about not panicking or not not going for Larson's head yet? Did you catch Torts on TV last uh last week on ESPN? I did not. I did. Yeah, I wa- I watched the first episode of The Point and um he seemed a little nervous maybe on, on, on camera, but uh I th- that particular show I think is a good outlet for him because it's not like a studio show during intermission where you have to have the really quick sound bites or anything like that. I think it's, you know, he knew the topics in advance and he had good insight to give, you know, they, like they first topic was talking about the Tampa Bay lightning and whether they could three P. And so John Butchcross went to him first and said, you know, Hey, you were the coach the last time they lost in the playoffs. You know, what changed from that year to the two years since where they've won the cup and, and towards gave a really good answer about how, you know, they were one dimensional in 2019. And then they, you know, they added pieces and they changed the way that they played and, and made it harder for them to be beaten. And anyway, so I, I think, uh, I think towards will grow into that role and I'm excited to see what comes of that. I also just in general, uh, I liked the format of the point. Um, it's, 
hour-long show on ESPN in the late afternoon talking all about hockey. And this is where the new TV deal is going to give the sport so much more exposure than it had yes. on NBC. Yep. There was no show like that really on NBC that got any kind of attention. Whereas, you know, think of how many businesses you go into that'll have the TV on in the afternoon and it's on ESPN. You know, it's got, you know, around the horn and PTI and stuff like that. And like here, like once a week, there's going to be the point that's on there talking about the NHL, just like they've got, you know, the shows that are talking about the NFL or the NBA or whatever. So, and I, and I assume Turner is going to kind of help do what they did with the NBA with the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you even have Charles Barkley commercials now with the NHL. So, I mean, it's only going to help them. Yeah. And, and, you know, both, both networks, you know, scooped up a lot of big names in hockey, you know, like TNT's got yeah. Wayne Gretzky on their crew. And, yes. and then they, you know, yep. they picked up a lot of um, the best talent from NBC's coverage uh, and yeah. from some of the Canadian networks coverage. So there's a lot of good talent involved. I expect better production value. And just the fact that there's two networks covering it, I think they're going to push each other to innovate the way they broadcast games. And it's not going to stagnate like it did with, with NBC. And then there's just the fact that you've got, you know, ESPN plus now doing the out of market streaming. So I'm looking forward to watching more out of market games this year. Um, so that, that'll be, it'll be fun. But yeah, it was, it was fun to see, see torts. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him to, to have this other job. And, you know, I, Last year was rough, but I still have generally positive feelings about Oh yeah. Torts as a coach and Torts as a person. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. PD, you will be at Thursday's home opener, so you will obviously get to see the Blue Jackets honor Matias Kivlenix with a banner featuring his number 80 to hang in Nationwide Arena. Uh, that will happen for the 2021-22 season. I think we all agree it would be cool if they did it beyond just yep. the season, but the main point is they're honoring him, which we all expected. Uh will be uh, an emotional ceremony, I would have to imagine, but... Really cool gesture moment for the team, Kivlenix, his family. So I uh, just obviously wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so the 
as I expected, they'll be painting the number 80 behind the goals. Um, although it sounds like that's only going to be for uh, the first weekend of games. Again, I'd like to see that for the whole season, but whatever. Um, yeah, I uh, had, had tweeted right when the news came out that like, why is the banner up just for this season? Like, why not leave it up hanging all the time next to the Mr. Mac banner, you know? And But yeah, then the team's going to be wearing a decal on their helmets all season. Um, I think it's really cool that Matisse's family is going to come back over from Latvia to be part of the puck drop. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of tribute video, probably a moment of silence. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to get emotional during it, I'm sure. But I think it's going to be a special moment. You know, I'm curious to see how Elvis handles that. You know, presumably he would be in line to be the starter for the first game. But will that be too many emotions for him to yeah, then be point. playing right after something like that? Or is that something that would fire him up and get him to play even better? You know, I, I just don't know whether that's going to be the kind of emotion that hinders him or the kind of emotion that inspires him or focuses him. You know, that, that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah an emotional night, but I'm glad that they are honoring him the way that he deserves to be honored and in front of fans in the way that we maybe were not able to honor him appropriately in the summer because there was not the the public tribute in the summer really in Columbus. You know, there was a gathering in Cleveland of the fans, but not so much uh, in Columbus to the extent that you're going to get with the opening night crowd. Definitely an emotional ceremony to be sure. But yeah, it's a good point about uh, Elvis's standpoint because I can only imagine just all the emotions going through him of everybody, but especially a guy like Elvis and yeah, it's, you know, hopefully uh, for him personally, you know, he's able to, you know, do it, do his thing. But obviously, yeah, I, I couldn't even blame him when you think about it. It's hard yeah. to, you know, you don't know how anyone processes things like that, but I know that he's mentally prepared, obviously has processed this and is still processing and everything. So, um yeah so yeah i'm just thinking about all those guys all the fans all the players that will be there to see that yeah for sure so we will wrap up with our predictions for the metropolitan division they are back in the metro this division this year pd so uh pd i'll let you go first with how you see it all wrapping up well let, let me let me flip this back on you do you think the jackets will finish in last place like many are predicting them or do you think that they can finish above someone in the division yeah, I actually have them finishing sixth ahead, ahead of Philadelphia and New Jersey. Ooh, that is interesting. It is, yeah. So I'm being a little bit bold. Uh, I kind of like the fact that you had Philly down there because I'm definitely not high on the Flyers. Um, Me neither. I don't think they're as good as some people say they might be. Just that they weren't very good last year. And I don't know that they did that much to make themselves better. Exactly. Obviously, a lot of it depends on how Carter Hart plays and whether he bounces back, which he's certainly capable of, but also if he, if he doesn't, then I wouldn't also, I wouldn't be surprised by that. And if he struggles, their backup is now Martin Jones, who yeah. is God awful. And they also, they, they added Rasmus Ristolainen on defense, who is not good, but, but they had Ryan Ellis, who is good. Cam Atkinson, you know, I hope Cam does well, but you know, 
you wonder how much how much treads left on those tires, you know. And that's the thing with a guy like Atkinson. It sounds like Philadelphia wanted a scorer or a finisher in Atkinson, just like Columbus wanted the playmaker playmaking abilities in Voracek. I just feel like I feel better with a guy like Voracek mm-hmm. coming back to me. Sure, Atkinson might score forty goals in Philly. I don't know, but I just feel like one for one. I like the Voracek dynamic coming back for me mm-hmm. but maybe that's because i'm looking at what we've seen the last few years so we need a guy like that and maybe philly's like yes atkinson but i don't know i just like more of what Voracek's going to provide for me than probably what i would assume not to say he won't have a good year but i don't know full package i like what Voracek is bringing to columbus's perspective i wonder if Voracek might end up being more reliable or more consistent because atkinson even at his best can get streaky yeah you know so will philadelphia have the patience for that if he goes through one of his cold streaks right because you know you just have to wait through it and then he'll have a month where he's scoring like a goal game and you know you know what if his shooting percentage just isn't up to stuff which which could just be bad luck or as we saw the last two years there were times where he just he wasn't shooting enough or the shots he was taking weren't high quality and so i mean that's you know that's not been the air thing. Whereas Voracek, even if he's not shooting, which they say he doesn't do enough, at least he is still able to be a passer and facilitate his teammates. But as we saw in preseason, like he was willing to shoot and he got some nice goals himself. So and and the other thing about it is Voracek puts up like sixty points a year at least. Mm-hmm. Atkinson is not that type of player really. So. Right. If Philadelphia didn't do a lot in the offseason and then they get rid of a guy like Voracek and bring in Atkinson, I mean, you better hope you get offense across the board. So. Exactly, yeah. But I, I don't I don't see another 30-goal season from Atkinson. I think he's good for 25. The 30 might, might be pushing it. Yeah, then I also had uh, New Jersey finishing last. I do think they'll be better, like a lot of people say. Dougie Hamilton is was a, was a great pickup. Ryan Graves also was a quietly good addition on defense um it's just kind of a solid second pair type guy they've got some great young centers there in Heshier and Hughes uh I just don't know what kind of scoring talent they have outside of those guys so I just don't know where the goals are coming from I have been in the past a fan of Mackenzie Blackwood as a goalie and I think he's a really solid goalie but now you know he's not getting vaccinated so that means he's going to be unavailable for a lot of games for them uh will not play in any of the canadian arenas or anything like that so i think that could that could hurt them and and even if new jersey's a better team than they have been they're still not playoff team yet or anything like that um so but i think that could be an interesting fight uh, at the bottom of the metro so i think yeah you and i agree that those three teams in some order will be the bottom then yeah, it looks like we both have Pittsburgh at number five. You know, I I don't want to put the nail in their coffin yet. Exactly. Because yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to say that they're this is the year they're done until they're actually done. Now, yeah. I do think though having Crosby and Malkin out with injury wow. to start hurts them. Uh, they're also going to be missing Jake Gensel and Zach Aston Reese due to COVID at the start of the season. So. And then the goaltending situation. Yeah, you don't don't feel great about Tristan Jari. So, you know, maybe when, you know, once they get Crosby and Malkin back, I think they can be dangerous again. But 
will they have dug themselves too big of a hole? Uh, so, you know, that remains to be seen. You know, Washington's another team. Yeah. That, again, do you count them out yet? Or will yeah, they still find a way? Yeah, same with Pittsburgh. They could be, I think for me, Washington could be anywhere between three and five. They could be out. They could be in. It just depends. And, and Vetchkin got hurt the other night. I don't know what his status is, but he went down. So that, that would hurt them a lot. Yeah, I think I would say I would make the bold prediction that one of those teams will miss the playoffs. I just can't figure out which one it is. I just don't want to put any, any money on which team would miss it. But I think one of them will miss it. The Rangers, I think, will be better. I... I did not like their offseason. I didn't like the moves they made. But I just think there will be enough internal improvement from guys like Lafreniere and Kako that they should be able to make the next leap to getting into the playoffs. Maybe just as a wild card, but I think they can get in. I think Rangers, yeah, I think even if it's just a wild card, I do have them finishing third. I was kind of bold there, mm-hmm. but a couple people I've talked to, they're like, they have to make the playoffs this year. It's time to go. And I just think Panarin's my heart player. He's my MVP this year. Mm-hmm. So I figure Panarin is Panarin. Could be the guy that kind of gets him over the hump, at least into the playoffs. Yeah, there's just I think they've got enough talent there to be competitive. And then we both, I think we both have Carolina at number two. I forget if I forget if we've talked about their offseason here on this podcast. We were kind of questioning it based on the moves. Like they got rid of uh I Nadel how do you say it? Nadelkovic, Nadelkovic, yeah. yeah, I can never say it. Nadelkovic. He's in Detroit now, so Yeah, and, and Seeds did a good profile uh a week or so ago about their offseason. Yeah, they they let Dougie Hamilton walk, which I think is gonna hurt them. They've still got a good defense, but that that hurts them because he's so good. Um they added Tony D'Angelo, who I mean he has burned bridges in every place he's been. He's gotten on the wrong side of his teammates every place. Um, so I think that's going to damage the the locker room culture they've established there in Carolina. And also, he's just he's not good defensively. He can provide offense. He's a good power play weapon, things like that. But ooh, he is brutal in his own end, um, assuming he doesn't piss off his teammates, which could very well happen. <laughs> yeah. They traded Warren Fogel, who I think was a solid forward solid depth forward but they did get ethan baron returned who i think is a nice pickup on defense i think he's a really nice young defenseman um so i think carolina still has enough talent that they are clearly a playoff team i just think that they were on the cusp of being cup contenders last year and they didn't get better they needed to take another step forward and i don't think they did that and they may have even gotten a little bit worse so that's that's disappointing so I guess that just leaves the Islanders as as our pick to win the Metro. There's not necessarily anything that I love about that team or any player that like, yeah, that's the guy that's going to carry them. I guess Barzal is is good, maybe not great uh, like we thought he was maybe from his rookie year. But I just, you know, Barry Trotz is such a good coach and he runs such a good system there that I think you'd be a fool to bet against the Islanders doing well at least in the regular season and hey you know and they've made it to the eastern conference finals the last two seasons i don't i don't think i had them getting that far again this year oh no i did i did so uh yeah i had them getting to the eastern conference finals again and losing to tampa bay again it just it feels like yeah i I don't see why this year would be any different from the last two so oh you know what i actually i that's where i differed i decided to put the islanders over tampa because i felt like you know what 
Tampa Bay is great. We know that, but they've already won back-to-back. Three-peat is so tough. Anything could happen. So I decided to say Islanders over Tampa. And I think every year I say Vegas. Decided <laughs> to do that again. They're going to beat the Islanders for the final. They're going to knock out Colorado again. Or knock out Colorado. And uh, yeah. yeah. And I'll, I'll just run through my awards real fast. I had Panarin winning the MVP. I had Cal McCarr winning the Norris. I had Vasilevsky winning the Vezina and I had the Jackets over. We, we had our over under 76 and a half points. I have them over. Yeah. So I agreed with you on that. I agreed with you on Panarin for the heart. Um, I had put Alex Petrangelo as my Norris winner yeah. just because I'm so he's high good. on Vegas and he's really yeah. good. Yeah. I, I, I do think Kale McCarr is probably a better pick for, for Norris. I think he, he's just had some injuries last few years. I think are the only reasons why he hasn't won it yet. But uh, this could be definitely be the year for him. I'm not publishing this until Wednesday, so I could change my vote to Makar. But I'm going to stick with what I put down originally. And then, uh, again, I put Robin Leonard as the Vesna winner. Again, just thinking I'm really high on Vegas. I like Leonard. Uh, again, yeah. they, they had kind of a quiet offseason. So, but I think they're still such a good team. And they are playoff tested. I think they, they know what it takes to make another run. And... What I've heard some people speculate, if Jack Eichel does get traded this season, hmm. I, you know, maybe Vegas finds a way to make that work. They've made a lot of big swings over the years. You know, they acquired Mark Stone, they acquired Max Pacioretty. So would it surprise you if they could swing a trade for Jack Eichel? Uh, you know, I wouldn't rule it out. And he could be, and he could be healthy in time for the playoffs. You know, watch out. Because Vegas has been so good without having a true number one center. You know, they had, um, you know, William Carlson is at best a 2C last few years. You know, Chandler Stevenson was was another top six center for them. But again, he's he's he and Carlson are both like a 2C. They're good players, but they don't have that like dynamic guy like an Eichel could be if they can find some way. Again, they'd probably have to package a lot of picks, prospects, maybe even some players from their roster, obviously, to make the cap situation work. But, again, would not surprise me if they if they swung something like that. Yeah, I feel like you're right. They probably could do something like that. I don't know. I was looking at their cap situation, and it doesn't look... They'd have, they'd have to make something work somehow, but no, in Vegas, they will. And, uh, I mean, I remember back in the... Uh, going back to the playoffs last year, Greg Wyshynski was like, I almost want to see Vegas not win and watch them go get Eichel or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, But like, you know, they could, uh, I could see them taking like both Carlson and Marsh or so, uh, and and trade those guys away. And that, that would be enough to take on Eichel's contract. Oh, wouldn't that be crazy? Carlson was just, came out of nowhere and, you know, obviously he was, that was unsustainable with what he was doing, but he still had solid years since then. But yeah, if you get Eichel, assuming, you know, he's, now it looks Health like they, wise, they do yeah. both have modified no trade clause, so they probably would not willingly go to Buffalo. But uh, Riley Smith is making five million, and he doesn't have a no trade. They could they could move him. So yeah, there are ways I think they could they could massage that and make it work. But uh, well, maybe uh, maybe those players that would have to go to Buffalo, they can get excited about the Buffalo Bills because the Raiders <laughs> aren't that great. So they'll be like, oh, at least we have a football team to watch. <laughs> That's all I've got for Buffalo. Sorry, there you, Buffalo. There you I go. mean, yeah, those are legit. So yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> Tough. Oh gosh. Well, that is going to wrap it up this week. 
We will continue to churn out content at jacketscannon.com, at cbjcannon on Twitter and Facebook. Opening night is Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. And we will see you all next week. Subscribe to the Cannon Cast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can catch every episode. Please leave us a five-star rating. Write a review. We love your feedback. Go to jacketscannon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.